to grow my relationship with Christ? These and other questions are answered in the book of 1 Peter. And today we're going to look at what Peter says about responding to those who hurt you. I want to welcome those who joined us by way of the internet. Thank you so much for being part of this sermon series. You can download the same listening guide that we're using here in the worship center at Eastside Baptist Church in Auburndale. Pray that you'll be able to follow along and be encouraged by the study of God's Word. I'm reading from 1 Peter chapter 3, and beginning in verse 8, if you'd like to follow along with me. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Peter writes, Finally, all of you, be of one mind, unity of mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. If you want a good life, if you want to see good days, be careful what comes out of your mouth. Because we've been called to inherit a blessing. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, this passage of Scripture has a lot to say about how we respond to those who hurt us. The first two chapters of the letter, Peter refers to trials and hardships that believers would face. This passage focuses on persecution and suffering that we experience from those who are close to us. The people that can hurt you the most are the people who are very close to you. Being hurt by others is an inevitable part of life. You do not have to live very long to be hurt by somebody that you love. Whether it's a husband, wife, a parent, child, an employer, employee, whether it's friends that hurt you, whether it's church members that hurt you, even church leaders, pastors and deacons can hurt people, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But you don't have to live very long to experience that kind of hurt. Peter's concerned about 
how we respond to that. How do we respond to those who hurt us and use us and betray us and mistreat us and lie about us and abuse us? How do we respond to those people? Because your response to hurt will determine how you grow as a Christian. If you hold on to bitterness and resentment, your growth will be shortcut. It will be stymied. It will be halted. You will be stuck spiritually. You won't be able to move forward. We've been called to inherit a blessing, but so many people miss out on the blessing of God because they're stuck dwelling on resentment and bitterness toward others. People that they experience hurt from. So all of us need to learn this. You know, we get hurt by some of the simplest things. Get offended. I mean, anybody can be offended by anything today. Pastor, I'm offended at your haircut. Oh, well, I'm offended at your beard. I'm offended that you're wearing a watch today. I'm offended that you're not wearing a tie. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. My word. We've become so sensitive about everything that the least little thing will set us off. So how do we respond? How do we get out of that rut and get into the blessing rut? I want to be where God's blessing is. I want to be under his blessing and under his guidance and under his power, under his grace. I want to be in that place. I don't want to be in the place where I'm stuck. I want to be growing in my relationship with the Lord. So it doesn't take very long for us to experience this kind of hurt. How does God want me to respond when I am wounded, hurt, abused, or mistreated by others? Number one in your listening guide, he wants us to pursue unity. When we've been hurt or mistreated or wounded by another person, the natural response is to want to get vengeance, to retaliate, to be resentful towards somebody or something that happened. And if we dwell on that hurt, it will fester and it will produce bitterness. Now listen, everybody is subject to this. If you try hard, you can remember some hurt that you experienced six months ago or a year ago. If it was a deep hurt, it can be 20 years ago. And if you ruminate on that, if you dwell on it and roll it over and over again in your mind, it'll mess you up spiritually. It'll rob you of the blessings that God wants you to inherit. It will squelch the Holy Spirit in your life. It will quench him and drive him to a corner of your life where you won't be able to hear him anymore. He is grieved when we hold on to resentment and bitterness. And so the best thing to do is to let it go. We must pursue unity. Unity. This is a oneness of spirit that we want with the Lord. Now, the devil capitalizes 
on our bitterness, and he drives us apart from the very people who will help us. His goal, the devil's goal, listen carefully, the devil's goal is isolation and loneliness. God's goal is unity and blessedness. That's where he wants to work. God wants to restore oneness in our lives. And we are to seek peace and unity, not disruption and disharmony. Listen, if you allow bitterness in your life, if you allow that resentment to grow and remain there, it will produce physical illness. Listen to me. If you hang on to resentment long enough, it'll make you physically sick. It has a detrimental effect on your body. It pumps toxins into your blood system. It suppresses your immune system. It'll make you sick. Here's another thing that happens when you hang on to resentment. It'll create psychological disorders. You're hanging on to something that happened to you years ago, and because you're hanging on to it, psychologically you'll be depressed. God doesn't want you depressed. God wants to lift you up and encourage you. But many people today are depressed in their minds, in their psychology, because they can't let go of resentment. And let me tell you, it'll kill your relationships. Psychologically, you can't connect with other people as long as you are hanging on to bitterness. You won't be able to do it. I can share this with you. No matter how young you are here today, somebody's already hurt you. No matter how old you are here today, you've got something you've got to deal with. It is the nature of being a human being. It is the nature of hanging out with other people. We are going to hurt each other. And the best thing we can do is learn how to get over that and respond to it the way God wants us to. See, God wants you to have freedom. He wants you to have blessing. He wants you to have joy. He doesn't want you depressed. He wants you to be lifted up. And the path to blessing is found in the Word of God. So we want to pursue unity in our lives. We can have the resentment. We can lick our chops and enjoy just going over how awful that is and what we would say to that person if we had them right in front of us and, oh, we'd punch their lights out and, oh, we'd get even with them. Oh, I just wish I could have thought of that to say when I was right there with them and I was so angry with them and I, if I'd have just had it in my mind, I could have told them off then. And we can just lick those chops and taste that so good and it'll destroy your life spiritually. It'll destroy your life spiritually. Physically, it'll make you sick. Psychologically, it'll depress you. And spiritually, it'll cut you off from your power source. You will not have fellowship with God. You'll not know and discern the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is to witness to your spirit that indeed you're a child of God. If you're hanging on to resentment, He will stop that ministry. And you will lose the assurance of your salvation. You'll doubt whether you were ever saved. You know why? Because if you can't forgive somebody else, how could God possibly forgive you? 
That's the way it works. That resentment will kill you. It's just bad stuff. So we want to pursue unity. Here's all, what we also want to do. Secondly, we want to love sincerely. This is a recurring theme in the book of First Peter. Remember that Peter's readers were first century Christians who were being persecuted. They had all kinds of problems in their lives, all kinds of pressures and difficulties. He says one of the keys to responding to hurt is to love sincerely. I'd like for you to notice these verses. I'm just going to read them. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. You know, that word fervently means that you're to bubble up. It's it's the ideal of boiling water with bubbles up, you know. And your love is supposed to bubble up so that when we see one another, we say, boy, it is so good to see you. And we just bubble up with love for one another. We're to love each other fervently from the heart. We're to be boiling over with love. That's what the Scripture says. And the Scripture says that if we love one another, we'll cover a whole bunch of faults. Those little things that just bother you and irritate you to death, they won't bother you anymore if you're bubbling over with love. Pursue unity and love sincerely. Sincerely from the heart. Now you say, well, I can't love these people that have hurt me. No, you can't. Not in your own strength. You can't do it. But if Jesus Christ is living in you, you have a power to love that wasn't there before. Chapter Sorry, chapter 2 and verse 17, listen to what Peter says. He says, honor all people. You know, we could solve a whole lot of problems in this land if we just start honoring one another. We could solve a lot of problems if we just speak to one another with honor. Honor everybody. You say, why should we honor everybody? Because everybody's created in the image of God. Honor and respect people. Don't disrespect them. That's sinful behavior. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. This is the theme that keeps running through this book. He says, above all things, have fervent love. There's the boiling love again. Have fervent love for one another. For love, listen to this, love will cover a multitude of sins really does. When you love somebody, you just don't focus in on those little things that irritate you. You focus in on loving, bubbling over with love for that person. And that's what Jesus Christ does in our hearts. He makes it possible for us to love people in spite of themselves. I wanted you to listen carefully to this. It is not possible for you and I to produce sincere love toward people who have hurt us unless Jesus Christ is living in us. You cannot pump up 
love. It has to come from Christ in you. Loving that person with the love of Christ. He gives that to you. He gives that capacity to you. Listen to Luke 6.27. Jesus is speaking. Let's see if he comes up here. Yeah. Luke 6.27. says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. How's everybody doing? He didn't say, I suggest to you. He is doing this in the force of a command. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. What? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. What? You can't do that. You can't do that unless Jesus Christ is living in you. You have no capacity to carry that out unless Jesus Christ is living in you. If Christ is in you, you have the power of God to forgive and to love unconditionally. And you can actually love your enemies. You can actually embrace the people who have hurt you. That's amazing, isn't it? There's another passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5 that I'd like to read. I've noticed that our young people have moved back to the back of the sanctuary. So I'm just going to come back down there and share with them from Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 47. I want you all to know I love you even though you abandoned me from up there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Jesus is speaking. He said, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that was the, that was the common thing of the day. Love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. If your enemy is your enemy, then you have my permission to hate them. That was the Jewish religion. Jewish religion said, Love your enemy. Sorry. Jewish religion said, Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Jesus said, I got news for you. It's more than that. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about the common grace of God. That is, God's rain, the rain that falls, it falls on good people's lawns and it falls on bad people's lawns. It's because God is good, whether you're good or bad. It's called common grace. It's the grace that he gives to every person. He gives grace and love and goodness to every person, whether they are good or bad. It's common grace. It's the goodness of God to all men. He makes the sun shine, whether you are evil or good. And so, because God shows His love to everybody, whether they're good or evil, his children are also obligated to do the same. 
We don't just be good to the people who are good to us. Any lost person can do that. Any lost person can love people who love them. But it takes a Christ-filled follower to love your enemy. And that's the point. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? None. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? The most hated people in society, the tax collectors? Don't they love the people who love them? Of course they do. It doesn't take anything for you to love people who love you. It takes the power of Christ for you to love people who are mean to you. It takes the power of Christ for you to love people who are your enemies. You can't do it in your own strength. Verse 47, And if you greet your brother only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Jesus Christ called us to be different than the rest of the world. The world says if you get hurt, you hurt them back. And you hurt them worse. That's what the world says. And the world produces hurt and depression and bondage and more hurt and more violence and it doesn't bring us anywhere. Even Martin Luther King knew that. He said you don't conquer hate with violence. You conquer hate with love. But it takes the power and presence of Jesus Christ to be able to do that. So we are to pursue unity and we are to love sincerely. Here's the third thing. We're to bless freely. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are not to return insult for insult. You insult me, I'm going to insult you right back. In fact, I'm a better insulter than you are. You know, uh, in our culture, if you're a really good insulter, people will clap for you. In our culture, they encourage people to insult others. You say, well, if you kill a few of my black people, we're going to kill a few of your cops. That's the world's solution. I'm going to ask you something. How's it working? Jesus Christ has a solution. When you are treated with evil, return a blessing. You can't do that in your own strength. You need Jesus Christ to be able to do that. You cannot pump that up. You can't manufacture it. You can't make your emotions do it. You must have the presence of Jesus Christ, the risen Christ in you, to be able to bless those who curse you. But that's the way. Listen, that's the solution. The gospel has the answer. Man cannot manage life apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've already proven it. You're seeing it in our culture. There are no answers, friends, apart from Jesus Christ. He is the answer. The gospel is the answer. 
Well, it goes against my nature to be kind to people who've mistreated me. Of course it goes against your nature. You have a sinful nature. You and I want to punch their lights out. Listen, I've got those feelings too. When somebody gets me, I want to just beat the tar out of them. I do. I have those impulses, but I also have another impulse. It's the presence of Jesus Christ, this Holy Spirit living in me, who says, you need to forgive that person. You need to love sincerely. You need to pursue peace. You need to bless the people who have hurt you. Some of the hardest people for us to bless are the people who are right close to us. Your husband and your wife. Your parents and your children. Because we're so close to one another, we have the power, the capacity to really hurt deeply. My wife and I had a interchange this week. You remember that? For those who are listening on the internet, she just nodded her head yes. Okay. So we had an interchange. I had said something that was inappropriate, insensitive, and she got hurt. And so she snapped back at me. I looked at her like, my goodness, what was that? Both of us recognized in a few moments where it was coming from. It came from the flesh, not from the spirit. And so we immediately closed the door on that and said, we're not going to let that happen. She said, would you forgive me? And I said, yes. And I said, how about you forgiving me? She said, I'll think about it not true. It's not true. She said, of course. You know, you got to laugh about this stuff because it's right down where we live. It's right down where we live. And you can let that escalate. You, you can let it just go out of control, you know. Uh, well, she said that. I'm going to say this. <laughs> and you get all huffy and boy, oh, your flesh just comes right out. I'll show her. I'll just come up with, I know how to hurt her. I know how to hurt him. Boom! And all of a sudden, the devil's right in the middle of it. And then he isolates you, and you are lonely. And the next thing you're thinking, well, I can divorce them and move on. I promise you, that is exactly how the devil works. He doesn't like me talking about this because his tactics are being exposed. I'm telling you, the answer, if Christ is living in you, the answer is this. Instead of responding to an insult with another insult, respond with a blessing. God bless you, I love you. Or even better, let's pray together. The Lord Jesus has the solution if we'll just listen and follow him. Being a follower of Christ means I want to do what is going to honor Jesus Christ in my life, no matter what anybody else does. Bless. The word blessing is the Greek word which means to speak well of someone. And who is it we're supposed to speak well of? That person that hurt us. That person who betrayed us. 
that person who spoke lies against us, that person who cheated us, that's the one we're supposed to speak well of. You're not going to be able to do that unless Jesus Christ is living in you. When you're able to speak well of someone and do it sincerely, it is proof that you have truly forgiven them. Let me suggest four ways that we can bless a person who has wronged us. Here they are. Find a way to serve him or her. You say, I don't know how to do that. I got a suggestion. Ask the Father. Say, Father, I really want to do this. I want to serve this person. You want to drive somebody really crazy? You want to drive them nuts? Respond with kindness. Respond with a word of blessing. Find a way to serve them. Ask the Father. Say, God, if you will give me the opportunity, I will serve this person. Watch what he does. Here's another suggestion. Pray for God's blessing on that person. Father, you know that this person has hurt me. You know what they said. You know that I'm dealing with it right now. But I'm asking you right now to bless them. Not because I'm really happy about you blessing them but because I know this is what you want me to do. I want you to bless that person. I have a person right now in my life that I really struggle with. It's not my wife, don't worry. No, it's a person I really struggle with. I struggle to understand them. I struggle to deal with them. I struggle to talk with them. I just have a hard time with them. And I've been asking God, show me a way to serve them. And I've been asking God to bless them. And I'm watching God bless them. And that encourages me. Because here's what I know. If I'm right where God wants me to be and I'm doing what he wants me to do, I'm also going to receive the blessing. And I don't want to be caught in resentment. I don't want to be caught in misunderstanding. I don't want to be in the bondage of bitterness. I don't want that stuff controlling my life. And so I'm going to follow Jesus Christ because when I follow Him, He always leads me to freedom. Always. Always. Freedom. Real freedom in my spirit. So I'm not bound by those things and it's not troubling my mind and it's not keeping me awake at night. And I'm following Jesus. Here's another thing you can do. Express gratefulness for that person. Lord, I want to thank you for this person in my life. Yes, they hurt me. Yes, they wronged me. Yes, I don't understand them. But I want to thank you for bringing them into my life because you're teaching me things I couldn't learn any other way. And I want to thank you for the hurt that has come to my life because I'm growing through that, Father. And thank you for the intimate relationship I can have with you. Thank you for allowing this in my life because it's caused me to draw closer to you. Thank God. And finally, speak on that person. Find a way to talk to others in a positive way about the very person who has hurt you. 
know what happens when you do that? The blessing of God is released. You inherit the blessing. When you speak blessing, it comes right back to you. When you speak a blessing, it comes right back to you. You know what that makes me want to do? It just makes my mouth want to be filled with blessings. <laughs> I just want to bless people and encourage them and speak life and healing and hope. I want to bless people. I want to be positive and encouraging no matter what. Because I know when I do that, blessings that I am to inherit will come upon my life. And I want to be in the place of blessing. How about you? Amen? All right, we're to speak a blessing. We're to bless freely. Finally, we are to forgive completely. I'm reading from Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Here it is on the screen. You ready? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. You see all this bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor? That's the fruit of bitterness. It's the fruit of resentment. It's what comes into your life when you hang on to an unforgiving spirit. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We are commanded in Scripture to forgive the people who have hurt us. Not to do so puts us in a place where we will not grow spiritually. We'll be robbed of blessings. We'll be robbed of joy and peace. We'll be robbed of spiritual growth. If you forgive, here's what God says. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. Right? So what I'm asking God to do is treat my sins the same way I treat other people's sins. Oh dear. I'm asking God to treat my sins the same way I treat other people's sins. If I want God to forgive my sins, I must, I am morally obligated to forgive other people. And I can only do that if Christ is living in me. The capacity to do this dwells in you if you are a born-again Christian. If you're a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the capacity, the power of God in you to forgive those who have hurt you. I have this closing illustration before we go to our time of invitation. This is... Uh, a story from a man named David Augsburger. He wrote a great book called 70 Times 7 about forgiveness. He tells of a Christian man whose wife had become an alcoholic. He couldn't understand why she drank so heavily until one day she told him that she had had an affair with his best friend some ten years earlier. She said that her feelings of guilt after that episode led her to drink. Anger and resentment swept over this man when he heard her story. 
for she had brought him and their children so much pain by her drinking. It also hurt him deeply to know that his close friend had betrayed his trust. But while these feelings welled up within him, the Holy Spirit brought the words of Christ to his mind. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He knew what God wanted him to do, and yet he refrained from extending to his wife the forgiveness that she so much needed. The Spirit of God continued to work in the offended husband's life. And here is his account of what happened the next time he saw the friend who brought so much sorrow into his life. This is his testimony. And I quote, Then, with a sob in my soul, my hand came out and gripped his. And for the first time in my life, I knew what it was to forgive. For the first time, I felt a tremendous sense of freedom and liberty, of lighter-than-air release as the unbearable weight of bitterness washed out of me. And I was free, free to forgive, free to live again. And that new freedom not only gave me the strength to go on, it gave me the resources to love my way through the barrier between me and my wife. When I told her, I forgive you, and I accept you just as I did the day we pledged to love and cherish each other, then healing began. You can only do that if Jesus Christ is in you. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me, please?